This is the St. Long Chinus' Baptism podcast channel. This is True Catholic Devotion Devotions for uh, 26 January 2022. The passage of scripture that I will be referring to is um, is uh, St. John, the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. Okay, so here's, here are the passages. But the hour cometh, and now is when the true adorers shall adore the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father also seeketh such to adore him. God is the Spirit, and they that adore him must also adore him in spirit and in truth. Okay, so those of you who are regular listen, listeners to this podcast will know that I always try to give context. I don't always, I don't make the automatic assumption that if you're listening to my podcast, that you will always get the uh, passages or the history behind what I'm talking about. So in this passage of scripture, basically at the time of Jesus, there were um, two types of Jewish people. There were um, the people who considered themselves true Jewish people and um, you know, they, they considered themselves Jew, uh, Jews. And um, there were another type of Jewish people who they, through blood, they were Jewish. But, um, and I'm going to get into the history in a minute. But because their ancestors had fallen into idolatry and... Um, uh, idol worship, um, they were considered Sumerians or called Sumerians. Now, the, the background on that or the context, if you will, was that Israel was an entire nation. Uh, basically, King David in the Old Testament united the 12 tribes into Israel and those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament knows that his son, King Solomon, uh, took over after David died. And um, after he died, um, 10 of the tribes of Israel broke away from the tribe of Judah. And there was a second tribe, only two of the tribes Judah and this other one um, remained um, worshiping the true God of Israel. The other 10 tribes um, intermarried with some of the pagan countries that were around them and took up idol, idol worshiping and worshiping their false gods. And um, while this was going on, um, 
uh, oh, and by the way, when, when the 10 tribes split from, I'm just going to say Judah, when the 10 tribes split from Judah, they formed their own country called Samaria. And basically, um, after King Solomon died and they fell into idol worship, uh, I believe it was the Babylonians invaded Samaria and took those Jews into Babylon. And this this went on for uh, a couple hundred years, and then the new king of Babylon allowed those Jews to return back to what was once Samaria. It was in northern Israel, by the way. Judah was in uh, southern Israel, and Samaria was northern Israel. Um, where where when they returned back to Samaria, um, they, they still, they started worshiping the true God of Israel again, but, um, they intermingled their old pagan practices and idol worship with the true God of Israel. So obviously their religion was tainted. Now, biologically, they were Jewish, but in, in religious worship, they were no better than the pagan nations around that were around Israel. So, basically, by the time of Jesus, um, politically, Israel was divided into different territories, but they were still Jewish. It was just that they were divided up by um, rulers. And um, like I said earlier, there were two types of Jewish people. There were the Jews who still worshiped the true God of Israel. And then there were what were known as Sumerians who, even though they were biologically Jewish, they... Um, their religion was uh, suspect. So to, to, to get back to, to the uh, scriptural passage that, um, that I'm talking about, um, in the book of John, and those of you who have read the New Testament will know that in the Gospels, Jesus and his disciples went throughout Israel to preach to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. And, um, you know, occasionally, because Israel was no longer unified, it was broken up into different territories, they would have to go into what were known as pagan territories. You know, because the Sumerians, you know, they had their own areas. And... Um, they had to pass through Samaria. Now, just as added further context, the Jews who worshipped, the Jews who worshipped the true God of Israel would have nothing to do with anyone who was pagan. As I said in my pod, uh, I'm sorry, in my devotions, um, I think it was from the 25th, um, basically the Romans and the, uh, 
Jewish religious leaders who who were they did actually worship the true God of Israel were often at each other's throats because basically the Jewish religious leaders resented the Romans because a the Romans were pagans but two they were occupying Israel you know and they they despise pagans and then when the pagans are actually occupying Israel you know it it caused a lot of issues between the two so but anyway to a true Jewish person living in the time of Jesus they were to have nothing to do with pagans now This was one of the rules that the Pharisees had. And basically the Pharisees were a branch of the Jewish religious leaders. Um, you know, they, they did worship the true God of Israel, but anybody who's familiar with the New Testament knows that Jesus often excoriated them for basically being hypocrites. Um, just think of a televangelist if he had lived in if he had lived in the time of Israel. So anyway, um, by Jesus, uh, Jesus, like I said, he's preaching to the Jews, and he had to go through Samaria to get to another part of Israel because it wasn't unified. And um, he's he's at a well. He's resting at a well because you know. In those days, if uh, you didn't have cars, and uh, um, not everybody could afford, afford a donkey to get around on. So Jesus did a lot of walking, <laughs> and his disciples, they did a lot of walking. So he's tired, he's resting by the well, and his disciples are going to the local marketplace to see if they can get some dinner for the night. So, while he's sitting there, a Samaritan woman, um, she's going to get water for her jug. And um, the, first, the first word out of her mouth was, because that's another thing too, is true Jewish people in the time of Jesus, they were very distinct, they dressed very distinctively. Because of the religious practices. So you could basically tell a true Jewish person um, in the time of Jesus by the way they were dressed. And the first thing she remarks to Jesus is, well, you're a true Jewish person. What are you doing in Samaria? That's, you know, because it was not allowed. Um. In the Gospels, Jesus often, in his parables, as a matter of fact, um, in his parable of the Good Samaritan, what makes that parable so powerful is basically a religious Jewish person gets uh, waylaid by robbers and thieves on the road. And a lawyer and a priest, they, he's lying by the road, he's bleeding because he's seriously injured. And a 
priest and a lawyer just walk on by, by him, a fellow Jew, because of the religious laws that were in place at the time of Jesus, they couldn't assist him. You know, it would have been unlawful to assist him. And a Samaritan comes by. See, and, and like I said, the Jews and the Samaritans, the best way I can describe their relationship would be to say that just picture the Catholics and the Protestants around the time of the Protestant revolt. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know your history, Basically, Catholics and Protestants at that time, the, the Protestant revolt, were killing each other in droves. And take that situation and multiply it times 100, and you have the situation between the Sumerians and um, the, 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 the true Jewish people because basically they both considered each other um, heretics. You know, they both thought that they were both worshiping the wrong God. And because the Romans were occupying at the time of Jesus um, what was known as Israel or Palestine, um, the only thing keeping the Sumerians and the, the true Jewish people from killing each other was the fact that the Romans were there, and if they had started fighting against each other, the Romans would have wiped them all out on the spot. So basically, it was a state of... It was basically a Cold War, you know? They're, just, they're waiting for an excuse to kill each other. So, you know, this woman remarks upon the fact that Jesus is a true Jew, but he's in... First of all, he's in Samaria, which he's not supposed to be. And secondly, he he's by himself. And, you know, to her, that that's, well, and by the way, if you'd been Samarian at the time, it would have been a strange situation to find a lone Jew, uh, religious Jewish guy in the middle of your territory who, you know, like I said, you're both at, you're both on, on silent warfare mode, you know, and she's like, what do you, you know, basically, you know, oh, it's kind of strange that you're here in my territory. And then they get to talking about religious matters. And basically the situation with the Samaritans was, was they, you know, even though biologically they were Jewish um, they had adopted pagan practices with the, the religion of true Judaism. But they thought, they thought incorrectly that they were worshiping the true God of Israel. And um, so they get to talking. Oh, and by the way. I just want to make the comparison to that situation and now where you have Catholic and uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Catholic and Protestants in America where the Catholics worship the true, you know, the true Jesus and the Protestants, you know, they they've got elements of true Catholicism in their in their uh 
theology, but because they're kind of pagans, they're not really worshiping the true Jesus Christ that started, you know, the Christian religion. They're worshiping their own theology uh, that they think mistakenly is, is true Christianity, but it's, uh, like I said, it's not the true, it's not the true religion that Jesus gave us, but they think, they think that they're in the right. And I can't speak for outside the United States. Basically, the only thing that keeps the, well, I don't want to get too deep in the weed, theological weeds here, but basically because the U.S. government wasn't going to tolerate open warfare between Catholics and Protestants before Vatican II, basically, um, basically infiltrators were sent inside the Catholic Church and this happened long before Vatican II in 1961, I want to say. This happened long before 1961. They basically sent infiltrators into the Catholic Church, and these guys rose to positions of prominence to Protestantize the Catholic religion. And so now, um, before... Before Vatican II, the only thing keeping the Catholics and, and, and the Protestants from beating each other's brains in was the fact the U.S. government didn't want it to happen. Nowadays, the only thing keeping the Protestants and the Catholic from, or the people who are calling themselves Catholic from, from fighting in the streets is basically they're two sides of the same coin. They're, it's basically um, the true Protestants and the Catholics who are actually Protestant. So they have more in common. And the smarter ones know they have more in common than they have differences. So that's what's keeping them from going to open warfare. But anyway, I digress. Basically, um, this woman... Um, and, and here's the thing, here's the thing. Um, I think it was Jesus who started the uh, conversation because he asked the woman because she's getting water from the well, you know, it's like, um, he starts talking with her and she's like, wow, well, you know, you seem like a learned guy. Um, I'd like to hear you talk some more. And, you know, Jesus was God, obviously, and he knew what, what the what the score was. And he's like, well, go get your husband and we'll discuss it. And the woman, you know, and she's Sumerian. She's an honest pagan. She just told him, she's like, well, I don't have a husband. I live with a man. And Jesus says, you know, told her, he said, well, um, yeah, and isn't it true that the last five guys that you called your husband were not actually your husband? You weren't actually married to them? You were just kind of shacking up? And this, obviously, this floored the woman because here's a stranger, complete and utter stranger. Not only is he a stranger, 
but he's kind of an enemy to boot. And he's, he's telling her stuff that only she would know. So she's floored. She's floored. She's like, wow, you know, you, you must be a man of God to know this. And then, you know, they, they, um, that's, um, that's, that's what started the conversation about religion. And basically she told Jesus, she said, yeah, when the Messiah comes, when the Messiah comes, because you got to remember the, uh, the Sumerians were biologically Jewish. They just had the wrong religion. And, um, the whole concept of the Messiah was a Jewish concept. And that's something that even being paganized, the Sumerians hadn't dropped. They believed in the Messiah as well. And she said, well, yeah, well, um, when, when the Messiah comes, we'll all worship. Here's, here's where the religious differences come in. Here's where the religious differences come in. Because for true Jewish people, you did your sacrifices in Jerusalem at the temple. The Sumerians had a special mountain. And for the life of me, I can't remember what the name of the mountain is. And for the purposes of this devotional, it doesn't matter. But they, that they had a mountain uh, somewhere in Israel that they went to to offer their sacrifices. And basically the woman's like, well, yeah, when the Messiah comes, uh, we're going to go to that mountain. We're all going to worship in the same place. And that's when Jesus laid... Um, laid down the, 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 the truth on her and said, um, you know, the people who are truly following God in truth are going to be his true followers. Now, what this means is, is that you can't take, and I'm, I'm just going to use a modern example here. You can't take a Wiccan. You can't take a Wiccan and call them a Christian. I mean, they they might be they might be uh, call themselves Christians, but obviously Wicca is a pagan religion, and therefore they they're they're not they're not truly Christians. And that's what Jesus was telling this woman. He's like, God wants the people who follow Him to worship him in spirit and truth. In other words, you know, if you're going to call yourself a follower of God, you got to live by his truth. Now, I know, I know, especially, especially for uh, the Vatican II Catholics, they'll tell you, well, a Hindu can go to heaven, a Muslim can go to heaven, a Wiccan can go to heaven if they just do nice things and they're generally nice people. And basically what Jesus was telling the Samaritan woman at the well is, there's only one truth. There are not multiple truths, there are one truth. And by the way, this wasn't the only time in the Gospels that he reiterated the point that there's only one truth. That, that, that this, this little passage I quoted you, that's not the only time he, he, he taught on that. If you read all four Gospels, 
several times he says, you know, there's only there's only one true path to God. And that's it. And if you're not following that path, you're going to hell. And so basically he was telling the Samaritan woman that that God is a you know, you God is a spirit and we must worship him in spirit and in truth. So I I know I've said this in a previous episode, but I I love beating a dead horse. I love it. And I'm going to beat this horse again. There are not multiple paths to God. Okay? There can only be one truth. Okay? One of the things that got me on the path of Catholicism was reading the Bible. And the context that I'm going to say here is I, I had not been raised in a religious household. I, I was an honest pagan, you know? Um, and it, quite frankly, I view God, uh, I, I was deistic in my outlook. I just figured he made the earth, you know, he made us, but he didn't get involved in our day-to-day issues. You know, he made the world, he made us, and he's just going to let us do our own thing. So, but when I, when I first entered Protestantism, I, I was reading the Bible without a religious context. I was just basically reading it as uh, an honest pagan. And I came to the realization that, wait a minute. If there's only one true path to God, and I honestly thought when I entered the Protestant church that I, you know, because I considered the Catholics to just be, um, you know, I, I knew that Catholicism was the original Christianity, but I thought it was corrupt. So I wasn't going to have anything to do with Catholicism, so I went into Protestantism. But I'm reading these passages where Jesus, you know, if you're reading, if you're reading the Bible cold with no, no preconceived notions, it's as clear as the nose on your face that he's saying there's only one religion. There's only one religion. And I got that context. But I'm thinking to myself, well, if that's the truth, then why aren't the Protestants united? Because I did believe in the concept of only one truth, only one truth, only one religion. You know, and I figured, I figured that the Catholics, you know, they had the truth and then they got corrupted. And so guys like Luther and Calvin, you know, they had reformed Catholicism and now they were the inheritors of the true religion. But I'm thinking to myself, when I'm reading these passages in the New Testament, I'm thinking to myself, well, this is kind of strange because if Protestantism was the true religion and Jesus teaches in that religion that there's only one truth to get to heaven, why are they divided? Why are there so many different denominations? And I couldn't make sense of it. 
Okay. And, um, anyway, I, I, w- I was going to add something on today. If I remember, I'll mention it. If not, it probably wasn't important. But yeah, that's, that's what got me on the road to Catholicism to begin with was because, um, you know, I believe in the concept of there's only one path to God. And by the way, for those of you who are listening to this and thinking to yourself, well, that's awfully a medieval concept. Now, that's, that's backwards. Not really. Not, not really. Just like there's only one truth in religion, there's only... There's the truth and then there's falsehood. And I'll get, uh, as I used in my other example on my other devotional, you know, there are Protestants running around and they're seeing these blue-haired, tattooed, 500-pound women or guys who, who they're, they're, you know, if they're a woman, they say they're a man. If they're a man, they say they're a woman. And if you tell them, well, no, that, that's obviously a mistake. You know, um, if you're a female, if you have breasts and you can give birth, then you're a woman. And if you're a guy and you have a penis and um, you can make the babies, then you're a guy. But these people, if you tell them that, first of all, don't do it online. They'll get you banned. But secondly, um, you know, they'll they'll get all... Uh, PO'd at you because how dare you challenge, you know, their mistake, you know, because they don't view it as a mistake. They, you know, they, they actually believe that there's no male or female. These are constructs anyhow. Um, but yeah, there, there are Protestants who try to do this and they will react just as outraged to me, if I point out to them, well, well, wait a minute, you know, God said that there's only one religion. And so if there's only one religion to get to heaven, Protestantism is not it. And by the way, for you Vatican II Catholics listening, your way is not the way either. You had the truth and your leadership decided that it would rather accommodate itself to Protestantism in the modern world than hold the the hold down the fort of the tr- the actual truth. Um, you know. By the way, you know, Vatican II Catholics get just as mad. But yeah, if you challenge their worldview, they'll they'll get mad. Mad as we say in the Midwest, madder than wet hen. They'll get mad. Because, you know, you're challenging their worldview. But it's the truth. There's only one, one path to heaven and one religion. It couldn't be any other way. You know, if you believe that God is the ultimate truth, it would be confusing for his creation, meaning us human beings, if he put us down here on earth And there were like, in the case of Protestants, 40,000 different churches. 
And they're all saying, well, we're the path to God. And while all this is going on, if he's saying, but there's only one truth. First of all, God doesn't lie because he is the ultimate truth. So he would be a liar. He would be a liar if he said, well, there's only one path to to heaven, but all these other, you know, these 40,000 different churches that you get a choice from, they'll get you into heaven too. Well, which is it? Is there one path or is there 40,000 paths? You know, um, unfortunately, I've noticed in today's society, and by the way, this isn't a new thing. Um, ever since the Protestant revolt, um, actual truth has been harder and harder to come by. It's just now things are winding down and, um, it's not as, it's not as obvious today as it should have been, but, um, Basically, if we had critical thinking skills, Protestantism, and quite frankly, for that matter, the Vatican II Church would not exist if we had actual critical thinking skills. Because a critical thinker, if you give him, if you give him a statement, that's contradictory. A critical thinker is going to listen to what you say, and then he's going to notice how you're contradicting yourself. Okay. And as I said, as I said in one of my previous episodes, if you have to make excuses or ignore the obvious discrepancies in your belief system, then you, you, you're you're wrong right there. Because if you have the actual truth on your side, then you're not going to have discrepancies. You're not going to have contradictions. The truth is the truth, period. You know, there are no shades of gray. There are no, you know, there, 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 there are no exceptions to the rule. There are no, well, different times require different measures and all this other garbage. The truth is the truth. Period. But I find that, like I said, that people, and by the way, when I say people, I'm, I'm talking in general. I'm not painting a broad brush. I'm not saying everybody has this issue, but a lot of people, you know, um, if you have critical thinking capacity, you will understand that not everybody is like this. Because people are individuals. So what I'm saying is, is, is that um, it's a general, in, in, in the zeitgeist of today, today's modern era, um, people, um, they, they lack critical thinking skills. And just going off of that particular thought, 
if you if you do read the gospels in the new testament jesus talks about the sheep and the goats okay and there was a reason that he talked about that um sheep and goats are two different they're they're similar in the sense that they're kind of in the same family of animal but they have different personalities a sheep is very docile a sh- you know um shepherds generally don't have an issue herding sheep a goat on the other hand basically is the 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 animal uh even though it's related to a sheep will do its own thing it'll do its own thing it'll cause trouble um they're they're very unruly animals okay and those of you who have worked among sheep and goats will probably uh, agree with what I just said. But basically, basically, a lot of the people in today's society, they are sheep. The difference is, is, is that when Jesus was talking about sheep, he was talking about the type of person who follows God unwaveringly and unquestioningly. In today's context, a sheep is basically, they're a person that unquestioningly follows the zeitgeist of the society. And, you know, and because, because, and here's another thing too, the modernists, who who put forward these these uh demonic philosophies into our society you know they talk about they talk about diversity well we do have diversity in one sense and that diversity is is that we have diversity of of heirs philosophical and religious heirs and we have a diversity of um oh basically we have a diversity of heirs and so what you'll have is is yes the people are still sheep but they're not the sheep that jesus was talking about the type of sheep that will allow jesus to be the good shepherd and to lead them into the um the 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 sheep pen of heaven no the the sheep of the modern era um they're they're they unquestionably follow whatever diversity of bad philosophies and religious outlooks that they want to follow Almost as if the goats and the sheep had had kids. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, that's my basic observation is, um, is that, you know, basically the, you know, and when, uh, basically the Protestants, they are sheep. But they're following an air of religion. Um, the social justice warriors, they're sheep too, but they're sheep 
that follow the bad philosophy of uh, progressive politics. Um, the people who consider themselves conservative, they're sheep too, but they're the sheep that are being led by wolves. Basically they got, I'm sure you've seen the meme where a wolf is dressed as a sheep. Yeah. That's basically the neoconservatives. They're the wolves dressed as sheep. And telling you, oh yeah, we're true conservatives, buddy. Meanwhile, they're they're having cocaine parties with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. Well, I take back Joe Biden. I don't think that he's physically capable, uh, physically or mentally cap- capable of having a cocaine party. But I digress. But basically, yeah, people are sheep. They're just following the wrong shepherds. Is what it boils down to. They're following the wrong shepherds. They're not following the true shepherd. So, um, and, and one other thing before I close out this devotional, um, I talked about the goats and, you know, basically the goats are very individualistic, uh, creatures. This is why I made the crack about, it's like the sheep and the goats had kids because even though the sheep that are following the wrong shepherd, they're not truly sheep in this sense. In the sense that they will not, and you can argue with me about, you know, questioning what you think is the, uh, you know, questioning your shepherd, basically. You, you can, you know, you can, you can uh, make comments about that all you want to, but I want to remind you, and I also think this was in the gospel uh, according to John, St. John, that he said, the sheep know my voice. Okay? Look it up. It's in the book of John, uh, St. John. It's in that book. He 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 actually... and. I, I think he was talking to Pharisees and he basically told them, he said, the sheep know my voice, meaning they know the, the, they know the truth when they hear it. And this is what makes the sheep following the wrong shepherd differently from true sheep because the sheep that are following the wrong shepherd, they won't even question their basic assumptions. They won't even question it. And as I said in a previous episode, I try to speak on things that I know. As a matter of fact, it's a principle that I will not speak on stuff or or, or if I'm unsure of what I'm talking about, I, I will make it flat out clear. I'm not really sure if this is true, but this is what I think. No, I have personal experience literal practical experience with people who will not question their shepherds they will not question they'll they'll follow they will follow unquestioningly now in the case of Jesus Christ that's actually a virtue but here's the thing with these people following the wrong shepherd 
And I, I don't want to get into a boomer tale. Just a quick aside. I've stated in previous podcasts that a former friend of mine, and I've known this guy since high school. We shared the same political outlook because obviously I was a non-Christian before a certain point in time. And I shared his same politics. But then as I started growing older, I started noticing that the people who were calling themselves, uh, I should say the politicians who were calling themselves conservative, they talk a great game when it's time to get elected. And then once they do get elected, I noticed that they're about as firm as a limp noodle. <laughs> and I, could, I couldn't put two and two together. And then I discovered YouTube around 2017. And I, I discovered podcasts. And I started listening. And to my shame, and to my shame, I have to admit, to people younger than I am who had already figured out that, oh, yeah, these, these guys are crooks. And I say to my shame because I'm older than they are. And yet they had figured out something that had been staring me in the face the whole time. And I never figured it out. They did. You know, that's, that's part of one of my, uh, my, my sins as a human being is, is I do have pride in, in, in my own attributes. Um, I'll never claim to be a, an intellectual but I figured, you know, that I'm I'm smart enough to know when the sun's going to come up and when it's going to go down. And so when something that obvious has been staring me in the face for over 20 years and I have to hear it from a younger person that, you know, um, that basically I had been blind this whole time. It was embarrassing to have to admit to myself. Anyhow. So around, around uh, 2017, I start, I, because even though I, I had come to Jesus in 20, uh, 2001, I wasn't really serious about practicing, you know, true Christianity. So politics was one of my distractions. So I'm listening to a lot of politics at this time and the and by the way these podcasters they they weren't they weren't just they just weren't saying well this is my political theory that in their podcast they would have clips of the you know of how these guys are crooks they would have um information and resources that you know which by the way if you're into anything, I don't care if it's politics, religion, or whatever, always check your sources. Always check your basic assumptions so that you could check it. And so I'm starting to check this stuff out, and they're legit. It's provable. And so this person that I've known for almost 40 years I'm trying to tell him these things which are verifiable. Here's the thing. It's verifiable. I verified it. 
And I'm trying to tell him because I think we're, you know, I think in my own stupid head that we share the same outlook. And so I'm telling him and he's basically, he's acting like basically a progressive. He's making, uh, he's making uh, claims to non-existent authority. Well, how do you know this? You know, how, how, how do you know that, um, you know, that, that there's a conspiracy or whatever? And that's another thing, too. The cognitive dissidence of the people who uh, defend the status quo is staggering. You know, just because a conspiracy is a conspiracy does not make it untrue. In other words, just because something's in the shadows doesn't mean it's not happening. And I made this point to him. I told him, I said, well, if there are uh, persons or organizations that are actually controlling the American political system, they're not going to hang a freaking banner on whatever building they're located in saying, oh, hey, guys, we're, we're the secret organization that's screwing up your country. Come here. Question us. And that, beyond being cognitive dissonance, it's stupid. If, you, if you're trying to have a conspiracy, you don't broadcast it. That is common sense. You know, when I first heard the expression, common sense isn't so common, I used to think that that was people being a-holes. But as I've, up until this point, I've actually, I actually agree with that. Because common sense, at least in present era, is a very rare commodity. And basically, common sense is just critical thinking skills. Okay? Now, obviously, there are some conspiracy theories that are bunk. But before you write it off as bunk, as, as a falsehood, do the research. Prove it. And, and what I mean by prove it is, I'm, I'm not saying that you have to have a blog where, you know, you're documenting how this is, uh, prove it to yourself. And, you know, if you have, if you have a certain personality type where once you've proven it to yourself that, you know, um, like the flat earth, <laughs> you know, the flat earth is false and you feel the need to have to prove to the people who are running around saying that the earth is flat. If you have that personality type, go for it. But what I'm saying is, in order to be intellectually honest with yourself, you have to prove it to yourself that either the claim is true or the claim is false. Too many people nowadays, they're just willing to go on what they think is right. Okay? It's not... It's not enough to think you're right. You have to be able to prove you're right. And you also have to be able to prove that your opponent is wrong. That's why I get so so worked up with the Vatican II um, Catholics. Because out of laziness, 
laziness. They, um, you know, they, they just go with the flow. And if you try to tell them, no, Vatican II is heretical. It's not true Catholicism. Instead of saying, well, let me see your sources and make up my own mind. They'll just dismiss you out of hand. They'll just dismiss you out of hand. Oh, you're, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're, you're, you're a heretic. You're, you're this, you're that. Well, I can hurl names too. I can hurl names at people. Doesn't make me right. And here's the thing. The set of a conscious position. I also said this in an earlier episode. They have spilled reams of ink and video. Proving chapter and verse how Vatican II is heretical. Okay? So, you know, for... um, I I know the popular conception of a conspiracy theorist is the the guys reading um, different, different sources and he's weaving this wild tale of conspiracy theories. No, I'm not saying that those type of conspiracy theorists don't exist. What I am saying, though, is it's not everything that's labeled a conspiracy theory is actually a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy, in fact, and it's provable. You just have to be willing to to do the work of at least, if nothing else, to yourself. You would think that this would be a principle a a universal principle for all human beings. You would think that, you know, if you hear something and you think it's a conspiracy, you would think it would be a principle. Well, I want to prove this guy wrong. I want to prove that he's wrong and not just read the sources on your side. That's another thing too. If you want to prove somebody wrong, you just don't read the stuff from your side. You read their side and you critique what their guys are saying. You just don't, well, the guy on my side said you guys are full of crap, so I'm just going to go with my guy. No, you you read what they're, what they're saying and you prove their guys wrong. You would think that that would be a universal principle. If you think that, you'd be wrong. Anyway, guys... <clears throat> I wasn't trying to get all ranty and ravey. Um, this, like I said, this uh, this scriptural passage is um, one of my scriptural touchstones. The, I'm going to be I'm going to be doing my my last one in another devotional. So it's time to wrap up. I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. I want to thank you for spending time with a cranky old boomer like myself. And I want to say God bless you. Have a good day. And bye-bye.